It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. From NJ.com and the Star Ledger, welcome to the Rutgers Rant, your one-stop podcast for the Scarlet Knights, with your host, Steve Politi, and Rutgers Insiders, Keith Sargent and James Cratch. Let's start shopping. Hello, everybody. Steve Politi from NJ Advanced Media. Welcome back to the Rant, and I am joined. I'm going to break some news in the podcast. First time breaking news on the podcast. It's award season, and I'm joined by the co-New Jersey Sports Writers of the Year. I got to tell you, fellas, when I saw, when the ballot came out, the ballot came out, there's a ballot for this, believe it or not. I know pe- people, people right now are listening to this going, wait, there's a New Jersey sports writer of the year? That's the first question. And number two, that there has to be co, we can't just come up with one New Jersey sports writer. And the third thing is, like, how do they come up with this? Well, there's a ballot. And when I saw both of you on the ballot, I'm like, this is going to be trouble because one of you is going to be New Jersey sports writer of the year and the other one's going to be pissed off. But instead, co, how do you feel about that, Sarge? I, 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 I'm, this is the first I'm hearing of it that I had to share it with Cratch and I'm not thrilled. So, um, you know, I might have to write a letter, a strongly worded letter, but in all seriousness, I mean, I am proud to, to, to there's no one who, who, who's, uh, worked harder and, and more deserving than, than Cratch and, and, and all no seriousness. One who works harder and, and let's be honest. Okay. And Cratch could probably speak to this as well. But the only you know reason why you're not the sports writer, you've been <laughs> yeah. two time running. You've won it the last two years, and I think there's some sort of rule that you can't win it three years in a row or something. So no, this is I what mean, happened. I did, yeah. I did to to prevent myself from winning three, n- another time. I joined and nominated two of you for the stupid award. That's what happened. And then I had to vote. Then I get the ballot, scratch, and I had to vote. So I only have one vote. I only pick one of you. And that's his, that's, his, that's all I'm going to say about it, except to say I voted for Sarge. So, so folks, just real quick, because we're, you know, you're way, way too much on the topic. But let me just paint the scene. Let me paint the scene. We're, we're at the Gator Bowl in the press box, and, and, and Steve actually got the awards because he, he didn't go down to, to, to the awards ceremony. Uh, but he actually was handed the awards in the press box right before the Gator Bowl. So, you know. Midway second quarter, I needed uh, Politi to, to run some quotes, you know, just a normal beat writer to columnist thing. And Politi not only big time me, but he actually took the two awards that were, you know, and he just put them right in front of his computer just as a show of Sarge, you, you know, I'm the New Jersey sports writer of the year, two times running. I'm not doing that, you know, so I'm going to really let it go to his head. Exactly. And now you can do that to me because you guys are co. And I think this is, you know, the fact that I voted for Sarge, I'm going to say it now. Because we're we're all about transparency, Cratch. I think that is a bigger t- tip to your. That means you got the non. I think you are truly the deserving sports writer of the year because someone who who's not in the organization voted for you. Clearly, I assume. 
for this to be for this to be the case. I would assume so. You know, maybe it was one person. You know, one one one. I I don't know. Um, no, yeah, it's a big honor. Glad to share with Sarge. When I found out we shared, I was like, well, do we have to like arm wrestle for it now? Like, do we have to? Is there like a runoff or something? It's like I've never won an election in my life. <laughs> I guess I really didn't even win. I kind of won this yeah. one. So, you know, I mean, like I ran, I was, yeah, I was like, oh, for 97 in student council elections and, and, and as a child, we'll have so, a Twitter you know, poll to determine the true a- New Jersey sports. Rate. All right. Enough about that. Because Precisely. we're, we're already rapidly diminishing listenership based on that introduction. Let's talk some Rutgers sports which is what we're supposed to do. Uh, going to lead off with basketball fellas. Um, a big victory at College Park against Maryland. Come from behind, down a bunch in the first half. Had a, just a tremendous second half. I watched the entire thing, and it was they just looked like a different team. Uh, and it feels like, and I know I'm, I'm, I'm getting 10 degrees ahead of it here, but it feels like it could be a turning point game if they can build on it. You're looking at the schedule now. They're 4-2 and two in the Big Ten. The next four games, home against Iowa. I guess Iowa's better, but it's home game. At Minnesota, Maryland, those final three teams are two and eighteen in the Big Ten. So, again, it, this, there's a long way to go here. They got to win the games. If, if they could be eight and two, seven and three in the first half of the Big Ten season, and then you have to start thinking, okay, well, it's not impossible, right? I mean, what do you think? No, no. Look, I mean, what they showed on Saturday in the second half against Maryland is exactly what this team needs. They need to be tough. And they need Ron Harper and Geo Baker, obviously more Ron this time, to put the team on their back when they have to and get it done. That's how this season is going to go from here on out, in my opinion. If Ron and Geo are on and they can elevate this team, they've got a chance to turn this all around and get back into serious contention for the tournament. If they can't do that every night, I think we're going to see what happened a couple days prior at Penn State. Right. And you, this is going to be a team that basically it's one foot in the door, one foot out the door every other game, you know, helter-skelter the rest of the way. You know, the crazy thing is if they're 8-2, and 7-3 and three in the Big Ten, that's in like Big Ten championship contention picture at the halfway yeah. point of the re- regular season, which is kind of wild. So, look, I, they still think they have a ways to go. Lafayette and DePaul and UMass all happened, but they do have signs of life. And I think that if Ron and Geo can produce the way they have and guys like, okay, you can step up and cliff, they've got a chance to turn this thing around. And Sarge Harper's not just playing on a high level. He's playing on a just incredible level, 16.6 points a game, six point rebounds, 47% of his threes, which of course has been the biggest weakness for this team forever. I mean, I don't know if he can keep that up, but he's been great. Yeah, the one thing that, I mean, he, he had a similar start to the season last year and then kind of uh, petered off, off uh, late, uh, so you do have to worry about that. Um, you know, the one thing I'll say about, you know, w- you know being you know, put, putting themselves in a position to, to uh, you know, be in Big Ten championship contention, you just wonder, like, what the NCAA tournament field, whether or not, like, when, they, when the selection committee, there's a lot of teams that have had shaky non-conference seasons. You just wonder because of – you know, how many teams had to shut down because of COVID. And you just wonder how much 
emphasis the committee will, will be putting on, you know, the actual conference season and, you know, how teams are playing the final two months of the season, which would bode well and, and maybe, uh, you know, eliminate some of the uh, the hiccups that Rutgers had early in the year. So, you know, you know all good things right now. I think, uh, you know, they're, they, they look, you know, certainly like a, a Big Ten contender. But, again, they, they're going to need to to win some games on the road. And, uh, you know, they're beating up on the teams that they're supposed to beat uh, to win against. On the flip side of this, Scratch, the reasons not to uh, be so positive, they have played down to their level of competition every game. Um, there's just not enough depth. And I think that's the thing that's going to come back and get them in, the, in, in February when you play these games in the Big Ten grind and you're traveling more and you're relying so much on Harper and Geo uh, uh, that it's, it's, it's bound to catch up with them at some point. No, no doubt. I mean, and even look at these next four games. I mean, Iowa's really good, you know, and this is a team that they've had their wars with Iowa, and they've, you know, Iowa's going to score a bunch of points. They're very good on offense. You know, Minnesota, not an easy place to play, especially that weird, you know, 11 a.m. tip off there. Uh, you know, Nebraska, like, one of these days, Nebraska's just going to stumble into a good effort but with all the t- talent they have, you know, they, they can't figure it out there. You know, Maryland again, you know, who knows what happened? You know, I think one of the big things I'm intrigued to see is, especially uh, starting Wednesday, Iowa, what's the rack going to look like after the vaccine mandate when it's a big game? Because I've seen it in wrestling. Anecdotally, the crowd does seem smaller and less intense at wrestling matches after the mandate went into effect. I'm intrigued to see how that carries over when the students are back and everything for, uh, for her hoops going forward. You really think it's going to keep fans from coming? That's interesting. I hadn't considered that. That I'm just assuming that people at this point, you know, would have would have gotten this done. But maybe you're right. Yeah, I mean the rack, and and they're, they're going to have to have that. They're going to have to replicate or come close to replicating what they did a couple of years ago at the rack for this to happen. Um, you know, because they have been a much better team at home traditionally. So that would be a big factor, Sarge. I mean, we have to see if that building can be as magical as it was a couple of years ago. Yeah, I mean, we've already seen some signs that, you know, they are a different team, you know, at home, you know, uh, as opposed to uh, being away. Um, but, yeah, Cratch is right. I mean, you know, I, the, the, the few games that we've been there, um, you know, since the vaccine mandate, it just hasn't had the same feel. So time will tell. Um, you know, that will be probably something that we'll have to focus on, you know, as we get, get into the thick of it. All right. So we got some more basketball topics here. Let's dive into true or false, talk some football as well. Uh, lots of good topics for you, so let's go. All right, true or false? Rutgers will win 12 Big Ten games in basketball. Cratch, true or false? False. Okay, you're, you're, going, you're going lower than that. Sarge, what do you think? False. Okay, I'm going true. I think they're going to do it. 12. Wow. So true or false, here's the next one. Rutgers will win 10 Big Ten games. Cratch? True. Out? True, 10 and 10. Sarge? Well, is, is there an 11? There's a number between 10 and, and 12. We're just skipping over the It's at least 10. I mean, you, can, you want to say 11? Let's see. You can say 11. I'll, I'll say I'm, true. The attitude already changing with the, big, with the New Jersey Sports Writer of the Year. It's just giving me slack about this. Here's my award right here, buddy. Good grief. All right. <laughs> true or false? The key to the basketball team turning around the season is Paul Mulcahy. Cratch, true or false? <laughs> I will say true. I think if he's on and doing everything he's capable of, that's, that really changes the team. He's a major weapon. Sarge? Oh, he's one, one of, but he's not the key. Okay. 
So I'm going to go through the next one. True or false, the key to team turning around the season is Caleb McConnell. Sarge, is that the one? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I would say true. Okay. True or false, the football team will have three new starters on the offensive line next season. Cratch, true or false? I'm going to say false. All right. Sarge? False. Interesting. All right. Well, you know what the next one's going to be. The football team will have two new starters on the offensive line. Brad, is two the magic number? Yes, true. Arch? I'll go true. I'll that down in a minute. I, I agree with you on that one, true. Uh, and finally, true or false, C. Vivian Stringer has coached her last game as a Rutgers basketball coach. Cratch, true or false? I'm going to say true. Sarge? True. I agree it's true as well. It's just a fascinating, fascinating situation still unfolding with the basketball program, which is a wreck. Uh, let's start with the offensive line, though, because this is the, the major uh, offseason development for the football team is that Greg Shannon's gone shopping. You know, it's exactly what we talked about him having to do to improve this team. Kratz, you were skeptical that you could rebuild an offensive line through the portal He's, he's certainly giving it a go. I mean, you know, bringing in you're bringing in four guys. I'll run through them really quick. Uh, Mike Chaffroni from Colorado State. I don't know if pronounce it, Mike. I apologize. Uh, JD DiRenzo. We're getting a lot of Italians, which is good. Sacred Heart. Curtis Dunlap uh, and Willie Tyler from uh, Louisiana Monroe. Uh, you did a nice breakdown online, Cratch. I mean, what what are your thoughts, and why do you think it's only two new starters? Well, first off, Sifroni uh, Chaffroni. I'm not, you know, again. Apologies, Mike. He's a long-term you know, guy, I think. He's a guy who was a converted defensive lineman at Colorado State. You know, by the way, like, I'd love to hear some of his stories. I mean, when you, when you get recruited by Steve Adazio and then follow him to Colorado State, you've probably seen a lot. But, you know, he's, yeah. look, he's a guy who has, you know, I think he's sort of like, you know, a Troy Rainey, you know, an Ireland Brown, a guy who's relatively new to the offensive line. He's got three years of eligibility. I think he's a guy who's probably a long-term investment. I think mm-hmm. Dorenzo, St. Joe Hamilton kid, I think is probably the best guy they got. You know, Willie Tyler, it's his fourth school. He was committed to a fifth school. You know, it's a big step up in, in competition level. And then Curtis Dunlop's a guy who fell out of the starting lineup at Minnesota and it was in the transfer portal in October. I think okay. that, you know, I, I'm skeptical about rebuilding an offensive line because I've said this before. It's like NFL free agency. The guys who are in the portal are in the portal for a reason. You know, these are not necessarily, you know, surefire things. So I think of the group of four, if you get two starters in 2022, that you did really well. DiRenzo is the guy because he's yeah, 20, 20, 20 P1 offers. He's an adult, too. He's an old kid. He's going to be a six-year, right? I mean, that, that's why you're picking him. Exactly. He's a, he's a, he's a grown man. He's, you know, I know it's FCS played at a high level, you know, FCS all American. He's big. You know, I think his versatility, he could play left tackle and allow you to bump Raekwon O'Neal inside. He could play one of the guard spots. I think he's, he's the guy that I really think, okay, that guy is going to be in the starting lineup somewhere on day one. The other three guys, I think it's very much wait and see. All right, so take me through what's going to happen now, Sarge. You, we, when you have this many offensive linemen in the program, and it, it's really a remarkable number now, uh, there's got to be some attrition. There's got to be some guys leaving. I mean, a freshman class coming in as well. I guess this, this to me, signals that they're going to try to redshirt all of those guys, including Jacob Allen, uh, the n- number one player in the state, coming in. Uh, how do you see it shaking out? 
Well, I mean, Shiano, I, I can guarantee you, uh, come you know mid March when we're talking to him for for spring, he's going to talk about competition, and he's probably right. You know, competition should should uh, be better. You know, when 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 you have what thirty guys, you know, uh, thirty offensive linemen, you know, in the program or something to that effect. I mean, it's a, a startling number. Um, you would imagine the cream would would rise to the top, and they'd be able to to sort through and have a Big Ten caliber. Uh, offensive line Th- that'll help the one thing again you know the, that that the transfer portal um so far so good but you know elijah clark you know that that, that just popped uh, earlier earlier this week so i think we're living in an era where you just never know you know and Rutgers is not immune to it i wrote about it the other day about the the amount of uh guy, guys who you know had 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 you know varying degrees of success you know after they transferred from Rutgers. so um you know, I think we're, we're, we're living, you know, in a period where almost on any given day, you know, someone could, you know, Rutgers could land someone, um, you know, you know, or they could lose someone. So, um, you know, it's going to be one of those things that were come, come, uh, you know, mid-August or, you know, when, when you're really getting ready for a season, then you're going to need a scorecard to kind of sift through, you know, exactly who's going to be uh, ready to play for Rutgers. Cratch, who right now, who of the existing guys – are you convinced will be solid starters next year? When this when spring training opens up, they've got they've got they've got a solid guy at right tackle. Give me give, give me the breakdown. I think Holland Pierce to me. I think he's locked in at right tackle. I think right. they're very high in him. He is a guy who they think has the ability to be kind of a special player. If if uh, if Reggie Sutton is healthy, which is a big if, because his knee injury was very serious. If he's healthy. He was the best lineman in the program for two years. I think he is a guy who has a spot at one of the guard positions if he's healthy. After that, it gets dicey. I mean, I think Raekwon O'Neal would be the next guy, but I don't think, you know, he's a guy who got benched for two weeks during the season when they were doing all the mixing and matching. I don't think he's guaranteed a starting spot. You know, Gus Zelinskis has an inside edge at center. I think, and Brian Felter too, you know, Felter kind of, you know, kind of revitalize himself down the stretch this past season, starting the last two games. But we've seen with Nick Kremen, they'll move some guy over who's never played center before if they have to do that. So I would say the only guy I think is locked in is Holland Pierce. If Reggie Sutton's capable of playing, I think he's pretty close to a lock. After that, I, I think O'Neal, Zelenskis, they've got a shot to play. Ireland Brown, I think they're highest on of the converted guys. But those starters are definitely going to a chance to compete. And I agree with you. I think all the incoming recruits, they're redshirting. Right. It's just fascinating because Greg Shannon has identified, and this is modern football, folks. I mean, this, this is it. This is the way you're going to try to build teams now. You're, no one's going to wait for you when you take over a program for you to have your offensive lineman as, you know, redshirt juniors. You're going to you have to find him some way. He's doing it. So it's sort of fascinating to watch. All right. The other, the other items, uh, Mulcahy, look, um, I just when you saw the swing in that team when he had an awful first half with turnovers, he was just struggling to happen. It's, it's, it's cause and, and the way he played in the second half, not only distributing the ball well, but hitting the open shot and, and really making that offense flow. I mean, if they can somehow bottle that, it seems like that to me uh, is really the missing thing for this team right now. You know, especially when that when when he's going and distributing the ball like that, I think he's I think that that offense looks completely different. Uh, sorry, you went with McConnell. So, so what's your, what's your theory? McConnell, you know, just from a what, what 
but he gives you the intangibles, you know, the, the, the defensive end of the floor. And when he's going, you know, and, you know, you know what you're going to get out of him. He's always going to give you an effort on the defensive end of the ball. But when, when, when he actually is giving you some offense, you know, they're, they're a different team. So, you know, I, I always look at it as, you know, he's the X factor on any given night. Like if, if he's playing at, at his high, uh, you know, high rate, that they have a chance to beat anyone. So, uh, okay, you can make a case for, you can even make a case for, you know, I mean, you know, Gio in, in some ways. Like, you know, we've seen good Gio, we've seen bad Gio. So, you know, right. in, in, yeah. in a lot of ways, you know, in order for Rutgers to have any chance, you need to see good Gio. All right, good stuff. Let's dive into uh, some insider questions, as always. Appreciate you guys on our texting service for subscribing. Uh, even things can slow down a little bit. We still have a lot of interaction on there. It's been, it's been great this year. So uh, thanks for your questions, and let's go. All right. Um, here's a very basic one. How many more transfers will we see in the next two weeks? And, we'll, and at what positions will Rutgers get players? Do we have any idea? I know the transfer board was like trying to predict, uh, trying to predict the weather. Uh, Cratch, do we have any insight on, on any guys who are coming in? Yeah, so obviously they're, they're pursuing uh, Steven Stilatos, who's a tight end at the Lafayette. I think they need a tight end. I wrote this in my mailbag today. I know they're high on Victor Kanopka. Uh, Johnny Langan showed a lot. You know, they've got Higgins kid coming in. They need a, a veteran tight end who can move bodies in the run game and be a threat in the passing game, especially because now, you know, we still have questions about the receiving core. I also think they need a veteran linebacker. You know, it's it's – I wrote this. They they need Drew Singleton. Obviously, he went off to the NFL and he forewent his final year of eligibility. But they need that type of guy that you know, not necessarily a difference maker, but a solid, steady veteran who can be a leader in that group, and a guy who you know. I think the challenge is going to be with all those young linebackers they have, and the fact that we expect a lot of four two five looks. A veteran linebacker who comes in the portal is probably going to slowly lose playing time as the younger guys develop as the season progresses. So I think that's going to be hard for them to sell it, but they kind of need Drew Singleton, but obviously he's off to the NFL. Another portal question, Sarge. What's going on with Elijah Clark? Is he really leaving just to go play with Chestnut at Syracuse? Uh, four-star defensive back from Camden. I think they. I think he actually factored was going to factor into what you know what they want to do this season. Was that a big surprise? And what's going on? It surprised me. I mean, you know, it seemed like he was, uh, you know, relatively close with Fran Brown, and and uh, you know, he, he showed some some uh, positive signs. Was was banged up a little bit too, but uh, I know the coaching staff was high on him. So I mean, you know, surprised me, but. Again, I think we're 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 at this point where you know I don't think fans could be surprised by by any of it. I mean, you know, I, you know these kids, coaches, every you know you know across the board, we, we see it. I think that more and more they 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 understand what it is. It's a business, and and I you know with, with the transfer portal where where it makes it easier and easier to to, to uh, you know to seek. It's not even playing time. There's probably you know other factors uh you know mixed in that we, n- none of us know i will will say this if, if, you know if there are going to be some defections now's the time because it's right when you know kids you know they're enrolling you know the start of the the uh the spring semester so you know now tuition's paid for so you know we saw it with jonah jackson and you know and and, and nakia griffin and and max anthony a couple of years ago we've seen it you know you know in, in other examples as well that if we're going to see some transfer portals, guys, it would be now where, where tuition is paid for. You can enter the transfer portal and, and know that uh, you can still attend classes you know, at, at, at Rutgers for the next couple of months. 
All right, this is a, this is a good question from Rocco, one of our loyal subscribers. What happened to Coach Panagos? I always thought he was a great defensive line coach. Should I be worried that our new line coach does not have any experience coaching that position? And I really do think we need more defensive linemen. I kind of agree with Rocco that the DL could be the new OL <laughs> coming through with the need to have more bodies there. Uh, Cratch, what happened to uh, – what, what do we know about the situation with Panagos? What do we know about the new line coach? And might as well just break down all the coaching changes that we are aware of at this point. Yeah, so I think with him, I, I think it's a couple things. One, Marquise Watson, the new defensive line coach, is a rising star who is, you know, all indications are he's going to be an impact recruiter, uh, which I think they needed. You know, they need want to add another big recruiter on the staff. I mean, you know, I think especially when if you're going to go through this every offseason where there's going to be a dance where Fran Brown might get a job head coaching job elsewhere you know you want a guy like Marquise Watson who is in many ways similar you know the way you hear recruits talk about him to Fran I think with Panagos look I mean he hasn't landed anywhere else yet I I don't think the possibility of him being in another role at Rutgers has been ruled out yet it's been mostly bum the one thing I'll say is you know remember 2020 he missed uh, the, the season with knee replacement, I, I think, you know, he's had issues with his knees. So it could be one of those things where it's a little bit of health uh, issues as well. But I think, you know, in terms of Marquise Watson not having experience, I wouldn't worry about it. This was a guy who was a standout, you know, he's sort of like Charlie Noonan. Marquise Watson was a defensive line coach at Bryant, you know, out of Division One school uh, between his grad assistant year at Rutgers and then going to Ole Miss and being an analyst there. So he's coached defensive line before. They've, you know, Chiano knows how to coach defensive line. They've got a bunch of experience, you know, Malone, obviously, on the offensive line, Noonan, Western. There's plenty of help on the defensive line. I disagree with Rocco. I think the defensive line might quietly be a strength moving forward. They've got to be significantly better as a pass rush unit. But Marquise Watson's inheriting a very young, talented group. Aaron Lewis played really well. Muhammad Ture, I think we've seen, you know, he can be an impact guy. Kenny Fletcher's coming in. They're high on Wesley Bailey. Keontae Hamilton, we all know they are very high on. I think he could be a star. You've got Ifan Maja back. You've got Maya Nahanatu back. You've got veterans inside. There is a lot of talent in that room, not something we could have said a couple of years ago, and I think it might be the perfect matching of a young coach and a young group that's ready to take off. It, it, it's a great point you make about the coaching the line, Kratzen. I have often wondered this, Sarge. It might be a fun, interesting to hear your thought. What percentage do you think a position coaches? job in a college program is coaching the position versus recruiting i mean if you could stack up the importance it's got to be 80 20 right i mean heavily weighted urban group it all depends i mean there are some you know offensive coordinators who come in like you know you know uh, mark whipple for example who just got you know went for uh, you know uh, went back uh you know left pit um you know there's some guys of course yeah yeah there's some guys who are just you know, just coach offense and, you know, I don't think Sean Gleason, Kratz might correct me if I'm wrong, I don't know if he's grinding it out, you know, and spending, uh, you know, 50 nights of the year, you know, on the road recruiting. I think, but but by all accounts, I think he's, you know, the guys that he's targeting, I think he's pretty good at recruiting. So, um, yeah, it all depends. It depends. I mean, there are some guys who are natural uh, recruiters, like Jeff Halfley when he was here, or P.J. Fleck, you know, they, they would spend a lot of time on the road, and yet they were, you know, by all accounts, they were, you know, pretty good uh, position coaches as well. 
Um, yeah, like I said, it, it all depends on, 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 you know, on, on, on the coaches. Jerry Kill, another example, for, uh, Ralph Regan, another guy who was not on the road racking up Marriott points. I'll put it to you that way. I think it depends on a couple things. One, I think Sarge is right. Sean Gleason, a guy who might not be considered a recruiting ace, but he was a pretty big reason why Gavin Wimsat is here. So you, you, that's what the coordinator is supposed to do, land the big fish guy. Obviously, the head coach has to be the, the guy at the end of the day. He has to be the guy who closes out. I think with some position groups, you're probably, it's probably 80% recruiting, 20% you know, development coaching. I think other – like, for instance, offensive line. I think that's a position group where you need a guy who can coach technique and X's and O's. Right. Whereas other position groups, you can have a guy that basically just rolls the footballs out, but he's bringing in the players. You know, I think that it, it, there's, a, there's a healthy balance in some positions. But I do think that you never want to go way too far to the recruiting side because then you're going to struggle on field. But I also think going back to, you know, to the Ash era, I think they went way too hard to the X's and O's guys. You know, I think that was a thing every year when there'd be turnover, people would tell Chris Ash, you don't need every guy to be like a film monk. You know, you, you need to get some players, too. I think Shiano's done a very good job of balancing the recruiting and the coaching. We must go to, we must go to Jacksonville and not run into Chris Ash either. Sorry, that was, that, was that, that was a tactical mistake on our part. Hey, I talked to him. I thought you guys were going like, to have dinner with him once he found out that I wasn't in the state. You know, I thought that was <laughs> open to <laughs> He did mention that. He's like, you know, how's Pliny doing? You know, and, you know, and, you know, you know, you know, how's Dunleavy? How's Duggan? All these other guys who I used to work with. Never mentioned Crash, though. I don't know what, what, what that was all about. Yeah. Oh, that's, thoughts on that? Ah, you know, hey, I, I, you know, I hope he, you know, yeah. I'm gonna, <laughs> that that just the, teasing, man. The other, it wouldn't shock me. It wouldn't shock me. Wouldn't shock me. He didn't mention. Like, I'm sure if he mentioned anything about Politi, it wouldn't have been good. But you know, <laughs> I don't think he had any hard feelings with with, with either me or Cratch. How's Politi doing? Uh, no, 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 no. I mean, like he had hard feelings with me. I mean, which yeah is what I mean, I'm sorry. He had a 111. I got on the beat, and he had a 111 football team in New Jersey, and he got 10 guys arrested. Like, oh, I don't know how we're gonna go up from there, guys. So you know. <laughs> Good times. I always love when we do those little detours. Those were the fun days. Uh, not really. Uh, all right. The basketball question. Uh, please talk about Jaden Jones's disappearance from the lineup. Hope it's not too late. Uh, without Harper and Geo. Also, what will become of our team next year without any scores? So this is a kind of these tie in together pretty well. I think it's clear the way his rotation's been for Pykele. He doesn't trust his bench to the way he would like to trust his bench. Uh, Jaden Jones, I, I don't know. I mean, I kind of – it's a great question. Uh, I liked what I saw of him in limited uh, limited times out there. You know, it looks like he's active defensively. He can shoot. Cratch, any thoughts as to what happened to him? I think it's just what you said. You know, it's just they don't trust the bench. You know, these are young guys. And, look, there, there are definitely – there are plenty of reasons to have – concerns about next year but i kind of go back to what we've talked about in the past this might be the way it's going to work with steve peichel's program you know they, they're gonna be cyclical and maybe next year maybe having geo this year saved them from having a, a down year but you know if, if geo's gone and ron's gone next year might be a little bit of a step back or situation right. next year he's got to go into the, he's got to do the shadow thing go into the portal he which has is what to go into the portal next year yeah 
Which is, yeah, I mean, which I think is the big key because now it's like the guys who built the program, Gio, Ron, et cetera, they're all gone. And if you're not, if you don't trust the bench now, then you shouldn't necessarily defer to them when it comes to talent acquisition of the portal next offseason. You can't. You've got to get impact players, absolutely, which is what he, he deferred to. He, and I understand his thinking. He wasn't going to take, he couldn't guarantee playing time when you've got Ron Gio okay, all those guys back, but now he's got playing time he can offer, so that's going to be how he solves the problem for next year. But, of course, worrying about next year right now is not something that uh, Steve Pico can afford to do. All right, we got a lot of questions this week about the women's basketball program. Uh, it's, it's an all-time low, and it's on Pat Hobbs to fix it. What's the talk behind the scenes as far as moving on from Coach Stringer and finding a big-time coach to fix the program? I mean, Sarge, it's, 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 it's a disaster. There's really no other way to put it. And, and I, I, I really do, if you're looking for who to blame, I mean, you gotta, you got to blame the architect of the program. And when you're the head coach, I understand her motivations, but she signed a five-year contract, uh, disappeared from the program. Days later, this is what happens. This is what happens when, you know, the leader, the most visible person in the program uh, steps aside. And it it's, it's, looks like this could be a winless Big Ten team. Oh, I'll say this, okay, because uh, when you're talking about health, and it always goes back to this and her reasoning for, for, for stepping away, in some ways, look, folks, she might have been vindicated because at the time when she stepped away, we, we're talking like you know, September, October, she actually stepped away and like left in, in April when we were, doing, we, we were seemingly doing okay. But over the last two months, you know, with, 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 with the, uh, you know, the, the amount of cases, you know, in a lot of ways she was – not only concerned about herself being, you know, in her in her 70s catching it, even if you're 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 you're, you're you, you have the booster, or, you know, you're vaccinated, you still it could be pretty serious. But also her daughter, again, who who you know we we've written about, you know, you know has been, uh, uh you know, dealing with a, a, a serious, uh, you know, illness, you know, since since she was, uh, you know, three or four. So that's first off. That being said, you know, where they're at right now, I think, you know, it, it's, you know, it's big time college sports. So you're, yeah, at some point you have to say, well, what's best for the program? So at some point, my expectation is that Pat Hobbs will have a conversation and whether it's with Vivian, maybe with her representation, uh, you know, her, her agent um, and say, listen, we have to come to some sort of uh, conclusion here. You know, we have to move forward. There's too many, you know, players in the program and, you know, and, and, and fans of the program that need, need, need answers, you know. So at some point, I think I expect them to have that conversation. I think it'll happen before the end of the season. And, you know, look, I mean, you know, you, you asked me true or false as, as she coached her last game. I think she has. I, 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 you know, from from the people who have, who, who have talked about it behind the scenes, none of them expect her to, to um, you know, make this uh, triumphant return. Um, so I, I think, you know, at some point, Pat Hodge will have a conversation. I think they're they're going to have to, you know, obviously, you know, financially, you know, she's owed five years, you know, four more years after this. So I think, you know, they're going to go, you know, they're not going to go go away uh you know silently as far as uh, not expecting a full payment i don't think Rutgers has any appetite to give her a full payment because all, all things considered might get a little ugly there but you know at some point i think they're going to have the conversation a serious conversation and, and try to move forward as a program okay i guess i just don't understand the some point then i mean it, it's if it's at some point and we all think it's that way crash do you agree i mean what why have they not had that conversation it, it's I mean, what are we waiting for i mean 
to be blunt, I mean, it, at the end of the day, it's just money. I know it's Rutgers, but it's just money, you know? And the, the truth, too, is that we got a ton of questions, and I'm not criticizing. We got a ton of questions about the team and their recent struggles on the Rutgers Sports Insider. There always seems to be a heck of a lot more intensity about being angry about the team's fortunes on the internet than there <laughs> actually is in going to the arena you know, and supporting the team. So I think that also factors into the thing. You know, look, the program is just – they were they lost their top five scores off of last year's NCAA tournament team. They tried to rebuild it on the fly through the transfer portal. Obviously, it hasn't worked the way they thought it was going to work. That being said, this is a team that went 6-24 and 24 a couple of years ago and then rattled off three straight 20-win seasons. Would have been four if not for COVID last year, knocking out all those gimme you know, non-conference games they play. So they have had a really bad year in recent history and then rebounded. I think there's two issues here. One, the fact is that they've recruited really well in recent years. They have not retained most of those players. Diamond Johnson, you know, Maori Davenport, all these big name players have come here and then gone elsewhere, which is what happens today in transfer portal. You know, that's been tough for them. Two, they're just kind of treading water at this point. And I think Sarge is right. I would think at the end of the year, they have to figure out what they're doing. They have to move on. But at the same time, too, I don't think Rutgers is going to force her out. I think she's going to leave on her own terms. The biggest thing I will say is when she does retire they're going to completely start from scratch like it's it's going to be a complete rebuild i think but you're going to have an incredibly attractive job like i don't i don't think tim eatman's going to get promoted to the job i don't think Rutgers is going to go out there and hire some you know mid-major like i think Rutgers is going to have significant interest from Power five sitting head coaches, you know, power six, you want to count the Big East, that have had significant conference and national tournament success. This is a Big Ten program and a fertile recruiting ground that Rutgers has not recruited New Jersey well in years. Coaches are going to say, oh, I'm going to, you know, that's one of the big things on Pat Hobbs. That co- whoever the coach is has to say, I have a plan to go to the shore conference and start getting those star players who are going everywhere else. So I think that's, it's going to be a big selling of big 10 program, fertile recruiting grounds, state of the art, immaculate facilities. And there's not many college basketball, women's college basketball programs that have a proven ability to pay a coach a million dollar salary a year. I think they have a chance to go out and make a grand slam hire and they might steal a coach that will shock people. And I think that has to be their approach going forward. But first, they have to handle this very delicate situation. I, I agree with everything you said there, except the will not force her out part. I just, I'm sorry, tell me if I'm wrong. I think this, this, this has got to, that's how this, this has to end. They're not going to just, they can't just wait for her to decide. She's got four years left in her contract. This yeah. is not sustainable. This is just not it. This is not a, a big time college program. I understand everything you said about her health issues. I get it. She signed the contract in April, disappeared five days later. It's just not, it, it, this is not, Pat Hobbs has to do something about that. They just don't. Yeah. They can't go and into another year like this. 
and he's not the first AD who who has really struggled uh, with 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 you know forcing her out. He, if anything, like he you know put in her contract that you know she was going to be you know there was go- there was supposed to be some sort of you know um, you know it was it was written in stone basically that you know when she retires she was going to be a you know an ambassador to the uh, to the program you know have have some sort of title where she, she could still get paid and be involved with you know the program. But I don't know. And at, at, at this point, again, it's going to be a difficult conversation. I know uh, from everything I've heard, people, you know, who, who, who you know, are her, you know, her, the people who re- represent her, you know, from a financial standpoint, some of them are, are, are you know, won't, won't go, go away lightly and, and, and just roll over. So uh, I think there's going to be some difficult conversations from that end as well. All right. That's uh, our women's basketball take. Uh, thank you, everyone, for your questions. As always, oh, we got one more. Can we, can we do a wrestling, wrestling one really quick, Gratch? Sure. Uh, Matt wants to know. What, and this will be a good segue into what else you can tell us what's going on with wrestling. Uh, Matt wants to know, what's the difference between all the wrestling rankings, like Intermat, Floor Wrestling, et cetera? How do they get used? And as a fan, which should I care most about? All right. I will learn something here, too. Take it away. There's a lot of wrestling rankings out there because wrestling fans like to click on rankings you know it's a it's a profitable endeavor on the internet um in terms of which one is there's no set you know industry standard uh i we use intermat on nj.com i think intermat's you know been around the longest they're you know traditionally the most respected even handed you know flow there was a time period we used flow wrestling kind out of kind of convenience because at the time, Flow Wrestling had a deal with the Big Ten Network, so when a match was on BTN Plus or BTN, the Flow Wrestling ranking would be used. So I basically just made the, the executive decision that we're going to use the ranking that people see on TV, you know, by our readers watching the match. They don't have that deal anymore. Now it's Intermat is used on BTN, so we use Internet. But for the most part, Intermat is the – most respected one the rankings don't factor really into anything there's a completely separate uh, rpi ranking that the coaches do the coaches panel that impacts how they see the national tournament and hand out at at large and automatic qualifier bids uh, to the conferences so not to get too far into be deep in the weeds but basically there's a bunch of them you can choose whichever one you want intermat i think is usually the, the most respected longest established so we go with that Diving in, I just noticed this, diving into the wrestling schedule. Uh, Michigan, the tour of Michigan is coming up. Michigan State on Friday. Uh, Michigan on Sunday. Does that mean we'll get a little Nick Suriano against? Uh, is that going to happen? Is that really a thing? It, appear, it is believed to be a wow. thing. I uh, actually will, I'll break a little news. Um, I am planning to head out to Ann Arbor this you weekend. To, uh, I am headed to Ann Arbor oh, to, wow. to see, just to be in the building. Um, Nick has not, uh, you know, we tried, of course, we asked, but so far Nick has not done any interviews uh, with the media. I, you know, Michigan, it's crazy. Michigan might win a national title in wrestling this year, and I don't think anyone out there, uh, covers Michigan wrestling. It's really quite inc- in- incredible. But no, yeah, we'll go out to see what happens. You know, I, look, I expect Rutgers is going to put Dylan Shaver on the mat, and I would s- expect, you know, Soriano's been wrestling for the Wolverines in the other dual meets. Uh, I don't see any reason why he wouldn't go out on the mat. Obviously, he would be heavily favored. You know, Nick is the favorite right now to win a national title at 125 with Spencer Lee of Iowa out for the season. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting. It's, it's kind of a crazy thing, um, you know, 
it'll be interesting. It's good enough that I figured I'll take the day trip out to out to Ann Arbor and uh, see what happens. Has he done an interview since? I mean, uh, Olympics try anything. I mean, has he talked to anybody at all? You left. So he he spoke to the New York Times. And he, about a story about athletes, you know, Olympic athletes who have COVID issues. Okay. Um, not much there. I think he also did like a, um, like a Sanjay Gupta CNN podcast about COVID, but didn't say much there. And then there was a, a flow wrestling documentary, like a little mini movie about him. Okay. And he, he sort of talked about Rutgers, but but not really. So uh, he is kind of the international man of mystery. You know, no one knows exactly what's going on. But, uh, you know, Scarlet Knights are planning to put someone out on the mat, and I think they expect him to be there too. That is still – that still stands as my – one of my most memorable interviews of a Rutgers athlete. Not because he said anything interesting, but because he's, he's so um, – trying to think of the right word that would be polite uh, – he, he was just standing there the entire time with his hands out. Like he, you know, like he was trying to size me up to take me down. So I found myself kind of instinctively doing the same thing where I was like, you know, is he going to make a die for my legs? Because while I weigh twice as much as he does, I'm sure he could kill me with his bare hands. But yeah, that was, that was interesting. There's my wrestling. There you go. There's my wrestling insight, folks. Arch, what do you think? Is that? I, I think, I think you're selling yourself short. I think you might be able to take him at least for like, you know, you know I, I, I don't think it would be a pin. I think it would probably. If I got you know, on top of him, it would be hard. I think that would be the hard part. Though. I could not. I, I would be competitive. I think. If I, I happen I think, to fall in the right way, he might be, he might be in a mixer. Yeah. All right. Uh, what else we got? Anything else before we sign off? Is there any, any other topics we have, uh, we have to, to cover here? No. Can we, can, can we spend another, like another hour? I, I'm sure the fans will like love to listen to like you know uh, you know just talking about us as far as our, our more award. more journalism award talk. I mean, people love when journalists talk about awards, right? We should absolutely <laughs> do another another half an hour just on 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 that. That would be great. You know, we can break down the Nevada Sports Writer of the Year and if they're talking about it on their on their podcast, I'm sure. Right. All right. On that note, let's sign off. Everyone, thanks for listening. Thanks to uh, Devco, who re-upped. Devco, re-upping their contract. Another year of uh, their support. We appreciate Chris Palladino uh, and his crew for, for, for sponsoring us. Uh, and that's it. We'll be back uh, in a couple weeks to talk more hoops. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to the Rutgers Rant. To participate in the conversation and receive live updates about the Scarlet Knights directly to your phone, sign up at nj.com insider.